It's the 60 Yard Podcast presented by our friends from Mint Sports. i got Siebes on the line. Siebes, how are you, mate? I'm good, Tom. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks. We're going to do our 2023 review of the New Zealand Warriors today. But before we get on to that, I just want to talk about a couple of bits of news that's happened in the past couple of days. One I saw today that just absolutely stunned me. There was a piece written today. Now, granted, it was an opinion piece, but if this has any legs... I'll walk backwards to Bathurst, seriously. So, Jack Whiten has joined the Rabbitohs now on his deal, and the opinion piece suggested by one of the writers there at Fox that he should play in the halves with Cody Walker. What do you think Jack Whiten's best position would be at South Sydney? With the halves that they have at the moment, his best position at South Sydney would be 5'8 and Cody Walker halfback because they are both better halves than Lockie Ilias, in my opinion. Um, however, I believe that his best position is uh, is at left centre. So you actually entertain this? You would entertain the halves? Oh, 100%, or 100% mate. Like, at the end of the day, Lockie Ilias isn't a bad footballer, but he's not... I'm just trying to word this right. I don't think he's a halfback that can take a team to a comp. Okay. Not with not with Cody Walker in the halves with him. I I actually think his best position now. I I don't think that there's any chance of him playing this, but I think his best position would be fullback, uh, purely because he that look the forward pack for South Sydney isn't isn't the greatest. We're not writing home about that, but he would be able to at and I'm not saying he would be the best at it, but he would certainly add more than what they've got now as far as providing a bit of punch off the back fence. Yeah, look, but again, there's no way on earth that they would or I would move Latrell from fullback. I mean, for all these deficiencies, he's he's one of the most dangerous fullbacks in the comp. So I, I certainly wouldn't move him. I, I do think that there could be a future for Ilias um, at hooker once once Damien Cook's finished up because I think he's got all the attributes to, to be an OK hooker. He's got a nice pass. He, his running game's quite good. Um, he just seems to lack a bit of... Um, a little bit of direction as a half. And also, I, I don't know... Well, in my opinion, I don't think his kicking game is elite. So, I think that's where he struggles a bit. And, and personally, oh, as I said, oh, I would... I think Whiten and Walker are both better halves than him. So, for me, it would be a no-brainer to, to have those guys in the halves. And they're obviously thinking about it because there was there was whispers going around, you know, three-quarters of the way through the season that um, Blake Taff was going to get, um, get a crack in the halves. So... Yeah, it's obviously something that's been been thrown around. Do I think it'll happen? No. Do we judge Lachlan Elias too harshly just because Nathan Cleary is outstanding? Oh yeah, mate. Everyone gets everyone gets compared to Nathan Cleary, and and that's unfair because there's only one Nathan Cleary, and he's such a he's a unicorn, isn't he? So yeah, you know, he, he's unique. Um, there's there's four or five halves that are a, a whisker. Um, maybe not a whisker, but that aren't far behind Cleary, but they've all got different attributes. So, you know, you've got um, your, your Cherry Evans, who's a game manager, and um, his kicking game's elite. You've got Mitchell Moses, who's a running threat and constantly asking questions. Uh, you've got Reynolds, who isn't a running threat, but he brings the organisation and kicking game. So there's blokes who have got elite skills in that um, in that space. And, and that's where I think Elias 
you know, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He is a good footballer, but he's not a lead at anything, if that makes sense. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's move on to the other big news of the week, and this will launch us into our Warriors review. So Kurt Capewell uh, immediately joins the New Zealand Warriors. I actually think that this is a great move for both parties. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, look, it, it, I think it's probably good for... Sorry, I should just clarify. Great move for both parties, the Broncos and the Warriors. Okay, well, I think it's a good move for um, the Broncos because, um, you know, we, we've spoken about Capel during the year and, you know, for the last couple of years he's had some really... Um, he's had some issues in defence and, and it's been glossed over and people don't, don't bring it up. But, you know, if you don't have a look at... Um, the tries conceded or try causes, Kurt Capel is up top of the list for the Broncos. And, um, you know, he's battling a little bit with injuries now and he's getting a little bit older. So you know, I think for whatever they were paying him, he did his job at Brisbane. He, he came in, he was a, a leader, he was an experienced guy. He taught some of those young guys what it was like to, you know, to fight and, and win, help them to learn how to win. But now they need to move him on because if they keep him, they can't keep some of the young talent that they've got and that's where their future is. So it's good for Brisbane. It's great for Cape because it's extending his career more than what I think it would have. I don't know if it's good for the Warriors, though. Okay. Uh, well, let, let's look at that and then we'll launch into our Warriors review. I, I, I think that the Warriors are at a bit of a similar stage to the Broncos were two years ago when Cape Wall came in. So, like, granted, the Warriors won a few more games than the Broncos did two seasons ago, but... Well, like Warriors finished third. What was that, sorry? Didn't the Warriors finish third? Or... I know, but they were clearly outclassed in the, in, in the finals oh, by the top teams. Yeah, that's right, yes. So I, I think that the Warriors and the Broncos are sort of at a bit of a similar stage. So I like I don't think that the Warriors are at the level of the Broncos, Panthers, etc. Right? I don't think that they're at that level. They definitely had a good year, but there's still a way to go for the Warriors as far as premiership aspirations. I, I agree, and, and we'll dive deep into into that in a minute because I've got some some thoughts around um, the Warriors, their year this year, individual players, and um, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities between the Warriors and the Cowboys, and um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll probably dive into that pretty deep. But before we do go any further, um, did you see the uh, the short list for the? Uh, we had a chat about it a few weeks ago, but the short list for the the Golden Boot came out today or yesterday as well. Yeah, I, I did. So, I did. So reading out the the four finalists for that, so we've got James Fisher, Harris, Payne, Haas, Joe Tarpany, and Harry Smith from England. So. Uh, very, very front row dominated there, and I think it's deservedly so. Which way would you lean? Oh, for mine, Fisher Harris by a mile. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, remembering it is purely based on international footy. Has didn't play the World Cup, so he's going to be behind the eight ball because um, I think the last couple of games of the World Cup last year go towards uh, the voting. Um, you know, Harris Smith. He's good for England. He really is. He's a good footballer. Tarpany was really good um, in the World Cup. I don't know if he was as good in the last few games. Fisher-Harris was unbelievable, though. Yeah. And uh, where does Fisher-Harris rank all time, do you reckon? Like, do you think we're starting to get to the conversation where, you know, he's he's top 10 front row of all time? Oh, I do, mate. I really do. You just think alone, if his career stops right now, He's won three comps, um, you know, multiple daily and prop of the year. He's won 
or the Pacific Cup or the Four Nations, or whatever whatever we're going to call it now. He's made World Cup finals. Um, he's ticked a lot of boxes, and I think he's what twenty six still. He's, he's only he's um he's not an old man. Like he's got a lot of footy left in him. Yep. But if you just stop it right now, he'd be in the argument for top ten for mine. Um, I think by the time he finishes, he's going to be up in that top five, top three tier of, of the best cops we've seen. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting you mentioned earlier you see some similarities between the Warriors and the Cowboys. Do you mean the Cowboys from last year in the sense that all the Warriors, you know, they had career years this year and yeah. there could be a bit of a downfall coming? Yeah, I do, mate. That, that's what I um, that's what I meant by that. And, and I'm, you know, I guess we'll start talking about the, the Warriors year now. But you think... Uh, the Cowboys two or last year, sorry, were full of blokes that had career years, whether they were breakout stars like Reuben Cotter and, and Tualangi, or whether they were guys like Sean Townsend who, who wound, bang, uh, wound back the clock and had, um, you know, the best year that they'd had in, in four or five seasons. So Warriors this year were Sean Johnson best year in, what, four or five years? At least. So, Dylan Matheny Delesniak, best year he had since he earned that $800,000 contract at Penrith. Um, there was Tohu Harris, who I think it's, you know, arguably the best year he's had at the Warriors. Um, it's probably the best season he's had since he was at Melbourne, to be fair. Um, so there was those those types of performances. And then there was your Wade Egan, who just exploded and had a, a career year. Um, Charles Nickel Clockstar, he, he obviously he had... The best year he has had since that year. Raiders made the GF. Um, blokes like Rocco Berry, just you know, they shocked me the way they jumped out of the ground and and how good they played this year. And I think that they played the best that they possibly could. So it's going to be a, a challenge for them to back it up again. If they lose Adam Fenua Blake, they're oh, I don't want to put the mop on them, but they're no chance of making the eight. If if they keep the exact same squad. Remembering they've got Roger coming back, which I think is a huge asset. I think that they'll still just scrape into the eight. Fenua Blake goes, they're they're not making the eight, and they're down bottom four, bottom five. Yeah, it's it's such a key one for Fenua Blake to stay there. Um, has Josh Curran left? Did did he leave? I, I think that's a massive out if he's left. I think he. Oh, I think he did, mate. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty sure he did. Something ring the bell now. I'll just double checking. But he, um, he certainly, when you got someone like Josh Curran, you know, coming off the bench or, or not even making your 17, it means you've got decent depth. Yeah. Well, that's right. And he can play in the middle and on an edge at a pinch as well. Uh, I certainly think he's more of a lock. But uh, the big addition... For... Of dogs, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, everyone's going to the dogs, haven't they? I'm, 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 waiting, for, <laughs> I'm waiting for my contract to go to Canterbury-Bankstown at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just on the Warriors, their big acquisition, obviously, Roger Tuovasa-Shek. You can't fault what Chans did this year, right? He, he had a tremendous year. He's going to get the start at one. Does he finish the year at one? No. Okay. No, I, I, look, I don't think so. Because Tuovasa-Shek is an elite fullback. Um, I think that you're right, I reckon, to help Tuovasa-Shek and, and to reward Chans, um you know, Charles will start at fullback. Two of us will start in the centres. Maybe it's three, four, five games. They'll start interchanging at some point during the year. Uh, you know, I can't see it being any later than around seven or eight. Um, Rogers number one. 
chances in the centres. They may still interchange every now and again, but Rogers got to be the fullback. The uh, the Warriors start off next season with a pretty difficult start. They start with the Sharks, Melbourne, Raiders, Knights, South, Manly. Like, there's a lot of tough games in there. Like, it's not it's yeah. not a crazy world to imagine where they're one and five. That's right, mate. I looked at that, and that's, I really do think that they're in for a, a Cowboys-type Parramatta year where they potentially overachieved, um, and then all of a sudden... You know, they're, they're seven, eight rounds in and they might be two from eight and thinking, oh, what's going on here? And then that wave of momentum they had, the up the wires, the, the winning close games and, you know, just the, the whole the whole rugby league scene in New Zealand just exploded during the year. And you could tell that the Warriors jumped on the back of it and they won games that you can only win when you've got that support behind you, you've got that confidence and you honestly believe that you're going to win every game you play. And we see this how how important the start is, don't we? Like, even though it's twenty seven rounds, which we, which feels like about six years when you're in the middle of the season, but the the competition is so tight. It's not an insult to say that the Warriors overachieved this year because if you overachieve by ten percent, then you you're flying because the competition is so close. So for Parramatta for this year, for example, to start off zero and five or whatever they did, that like it's just too big of a hole, no matter who you are. That's exactly right, and then. You know, they, they get themselves back in and fall, I think, a game and a half, a game off the, the semis. And, you know, you, you just can't start that slow. The, the Cowboys were the same. They, they started the year relatively slow and then they were playing catch-up all year. just couldn't quite get there. And the Cowboys, um, Cowboys won like eight in a row at one stage too and they still couldn't get there. That's exactly right. And again, mate, so did Paramount, six from seven or might have been seven from nine at, at one point. Um you just can't make up that much ground. Um, it, it was amazing that the Roosters managed to make up that much ground, although they were in, they were never in as bad a spot as what Para and Cowboys were. Roosters were always win a couple, lose a couple, win a couple, lose a couple. They didn't have that that big chunk of of losses in a row. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just just looking around the the Warriors squad. I still think that the focus on their recruiting and retention for the next couple of years should be around the halves because you got a great year out of Sean Johnson. Fantastic. He's definitely towards the back end of his career. He's not at the start. So you need to be planning for a life post-Sean Johnson, shouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he, he's had a lot of really severe injuries over his career. You know, some really bad ankle breaks and dislocations. So there's going to be a point where things really start to fall over for him and he loses that bit of zip that, he, that he's got. Um, I hope it's not for a, a few more years because I love watching him play. And I hope that even if he can be at 85% of what he was this year, you know, he, it's, it's great to see because he's such a good footballer and he wins games for the Warriors. Um, it's just going to be so hard for him to play at that level week in, week out again for another full season. The only way it's going to happen is if he's got that forward pack going forward Tohu Harris can back it up and Adam Fanor Blake is there and he's getting them on the front foot because that's, again, another reason why Wade Egan was so good because he was getting time and space around the ruck because of the momentum that they were um, they were generating and, and Fanor Blake, you know, it's not just straight up and down, run, run at someone, run over them. It's that really late footwork where he makes people miss. So even when they do get him, it's never a dominant tackle. He's always fallen on his belly. He's jumping up, playing the ball fast. 
and that's when Wade Egan can get out of dummy half and and all uh, Sean Johnson gets space. It should be noted about the Warriors' schedule in their last eleven games. They only played one top eight team, and they went nine and two in that in that period. And they started off the season five and two, so they started the year very well and ended the season very well as well. And you know that that strength of schedule has now sort of flipped on them, but in, in a way because their first six weeks next year, bloody brutal. That, that exactly right, mate. But again, I don't expect the eight next year to look anything like the eight from this year. So what what we think is going to be a top eight side, or what was a top eight side, may not be one, might not be as as tough as what we think. Um, you know, I do think it's going to be quite a quite a shift in in that top eight from this year to next. What are your ex- expectations for the Warriors next year? Just to finish off with, yeah, I reckon they will be somewhere bet- between six and ten. Yep, uh, that's providing um, Penua Blake plays. Yeah, I'm I'm the exact same, but I would even probably go a little bit lower between seven and ten. But yeah. I, I certainly have five or six teams above them at this stage. But uh, yeah, it'll be keen to see. The start is crucial for them, like we said. Steve's good to talk to you, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks, mate. This has been the 60 Podcast presented by Mint Sports, and that is full time.